0: Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, the video game industry hasn't been shy to embracing controversy in their video games. In 1976, developer Exidy stoked fears from the media with their arcade game Death Race and its portrayal of violence against enemies in its virtual world. Midway Games took it to another level with its fatalities in Mortal Kombat in 1993 so much so that it spawned the ESRB. As graphical and compute power has increased greatly since those games came out, so has the potential to stir even more controversy. Increased violence, sexual representation, controversy for the sake of controversy. If I say the words no Russian or white phosphorus, I'm sure for many of you listening, you know what I'm directly referring to. Given the ongoing situations at home and abroad, as well as the portrayal of real-world events in video games, it's time for us to discuss controversies' place in gaming. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The NPC's Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. My name is Travis Sherman, and as we are recording here from my basement... Uh, shockingly enough, Kyle Inman has joined me here at home. Hi, Kyle. What's up? Welcome back. I know it's been a while since you've been here. So yeah, everything's changed.
1: The the, the entire environment is has morphed around me. I don't I don't know where I am anymore. So <laughs> who
0: are you? Where
1: are you? Where where, where am, I? am I?
0: What am I doing? <laughs> what is my purpose? Oh Jesus Christ! All right, so. Today, we are focusing on controversies' place in gaming. As we are recording this, of course, we are currently in the midst of several events in the world going on right now. More specifically, of course, the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, so, obviously, we're going to talk about some video games in this episode. Today, as they focus, of course, on war video games. Um, so we will try to play at least uh, or go into um, go into these with as much detail as we can. But of course, we will be sensitive given the situation that is going on over in Ukraine. So with that said, though, yes, uh, controversy in video games, just as said there in the intro, just at least as things have gone on for the years, especially in the last 20 years, maybe or so it really does feel like controversy for the sake of controversy has really kind of become the mainstay for some game developers. Not all, but some. That they develop games that are specifically there to just strike up a conversation, but more really from the the ultra way out there side of things.
1: Right. And i I think some of these are the, the it, it's the effect of timing um is the cause of the controversy otherwise the same game could have been released you know uh years prior or years after and may not stir up as much or at any controversy at all but because of the subject matter and because of some of the release times or windows that these games are having that and because of their content um, is where it the controversy lies uh, whether it be with violence or uh, sexual content or war or you know the the just general treatment of other humans so I, I, I um, but I I think timing is a big part of it and but some of it is, the, there are games that they they want to push the envelope and they want to do it right at the right time. And other games fall victim of the timing of, of just things happening the, in the world around them and what they're developing, you know, just so happens to
0: land in a bad spot. Absolutely. I I really do believe that. To be at least the case for a majority of things, that the emphasis is not necessarily to stoke controversy, like the the scene or the the action that you're supposed to take in a video game may be controversial, like controversial to a point, mm-hmm. but that you are right that sometimes the release of the game kind of falls into that weird scenario where something has happened that might be relatively close to whatever it is you're supposed to do or you might watch in a cutscene in a video game. And given the fact, though, that we've really kind of been in a state of war here in the world for over 20 years now, I mean, you're, you know, 9-11 was only 20 years ago. Right. It's one of those things that... It seems like every other day we have something going on that really gets people asking questions about how some of these things are portrayed in the media. And it's not just video games. You've got your movies. You've got your TV shows. Um, It's not just limited to video games, but obviously we're a video game podcast, so we're focusing more on that media than anything. Right. So with that, though, um, again, controversy is not necessarily a, a thing that is new to video games itself. As mentioned in the intro, uh, 1976, this developer, Exidy, released this game called Death Race. Uh, Death Race was a arcade game. Uh, You can go look this up online. It's a very, it's a very, um, by today's standards, rudimentary game in what it is. But obviously in 76, this was uh, pre-video game market crash. um, About, was that? Seven years difference, I think. Yeah. So, This, of course, at the time, people go into the arcades, people playing the games that were there, and obviously this game does have you being able to kill people in it, or at least I guess what they say in the Wikipedia article I'm reading about here is that it's like humanoid figures is what they are. So I'm guessing that they probably are other humans that you're racing against um, that you're able to take down, but, you know, again, by today's standards, this is pretty pretty lax
1: right but at the time it was the uh it would have been the first like actual video game video game that gave a picture representation of you uh potentially i'm assuming having the ability to kill other people so
0: yeah and and, you know you think about a lot of a lot of stuff at that time like trying to like you know, toy guns and that weren't necessarily the, you know, like the the taboo that they were at least at that point either. I mean, we didn't have – like there were no Nerf guns there in the late 70s. There mm-hmm. weren't any um, – laser tags still didn't exist for at least another like 10 years or so anyway. Um, hell, even super soakers I don't think existed at that point either. So you had things that looked like real guns, but it wasn't anything like that. And there was a little bit more control there. But, yeah, video game itself, it's like you're immersed into this right, digital scape. Th-
1: th- this is like the first video game representation of, of you going out or, you know, giving the player the uh, option to uh, gain enjoyment for, from murder. Um, essentially, is how it would have been viewed. Um, I, I mean, that's the most rudimentary description of how you can get to it, and obviously, that's not how it's viewed. I, it's pixels on a screen, but uh, I mean that—that's what would have made it controversial at the time—is is the idea of the fact that you're you're
0: gaining enjoyment from murder. True, I I, I absolutely agree with that statement. I do. Um, but even death race alone, I mean, that was, I guess if you want to consider maybe that being the start of it, I guess, per se, you know, because that was in an arcade setting that was in a place that you had to play with other people around. Um, but as time of course went on, as we got into, um, as we got uh, past the, um, you know, the, the game market crash in 83, Mm -hmm. um, and then Nintendo came back and revived everything, or came out and revived everything with the NES. Um, We had that, there was that uh, Wild West poker game that was definitely more of like what would be rated now as like an adults-only title Um, Mm -hmm. that came out. I think that was an NES title. Um, And then as we started moving into the second generation of consoles, talking about the Super Nintendo and talking about the, I think it was the Sega Master System at that point was the, was that it was that, uh, it was or was it the Genesis that was, it was the, the one against was Genesis yeah. okay, I was mixed up when the Master System and Genesis and that came out where they were fighting on uh on the grounds with the consoles um, but another one again mentioned in the intro was Mortal Kombat, so mm-hmm. the Sega version and the Super Nintendo version were both very different, at least in the case of blood, and the Sega version didn't censor any of the blood itself it was red, you knew you were obviously killing somebody and it was the same on the super Nintendo, but it was green. They had made, they had actually made it uh change to green in that version of the game. Right. Yeah. Um, and then of course, what really caused more of the problems were the fatalities, like being able to rip someone's skull and spine out of their body at the end of it is what led to the creation of the entertainment software rating board, the ESRB, the ones who, who we have labels now on all of our games, E for everyone, e 10 and up you know adults only mature it's just it's that's just become the norm for us
1: which which is ironic because it's actually hailed as as being more comprehensive if i'm not mistaken than the the uh
0: mpaa which rates movies (laughs) i believe you're right i believe they actually did have some some better luck with how the ESRB actually handles rating things. And they've got a lot more, if you really think about it, to rate than the Motion Picture Association of America. Right. Like, I mean, you you look at how many video games come out in a given year and how much time they actually have to spend reviewing and looking at those. So, yeah, you are right. I mean, it has done that, but just kind of like what we saw in the 80s with music when they were slapping the parental advisory explicit content stickers on CDs and and records – that actually ended up causing a huge surge in traffic for people to go in and start buying these things. You know, it was about the same thing for video games to to a point. Obviously, of course, though, that they put more age restriction on game anyway, that you had to be 17 to buy a mature game. Right, Adults-only games are never normally carried in store anyway. Um, there's a lot of that. Uh, but even outside of Mortal Kombat, and this is one that we have joked about actually previously in other um, episodes of our podcast back when Dan and Preston were recording with us was Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. Right. Not a violent game, at least in the sense of like Mortal Kombat or or what, um, uh, what Death Race was. But it was definitely a game that was very sexual focused and was built on, you know, um, being able i guess to convince the women there to sleep with you at least in in one fashion or another in that game or of course there was right. basically the scene in there you know it's like take your damn clothes off scene that we've talked about yeah. and, and gone over <laughs> several times now um but it is it's one that um basically it was it was a rape that was happening there in that scene if you if you really think about it and you actually go back and watch that clip um so even at that point in time, it's like, it wasn't just violence. It was also the sexual nature of games though, too. And that again, goes back to NES with that, that strip poker, wild west poker game, whatever it is. I don't know. But what do you think about that though? Especially in the days of like early games, Kyle, because that was like for us, especially the super Nintendo and, and Sega Genesis, we were kids at Mm -hmm. that point in time. Um, I mean, you know, kind of a little bit of a retrospective on that is like, I mean, what do you think about that at that point in time?
1: I mean I I look back at that that point in time and I I, I think about games like uh there there were controversial games uh Desert Strike for instance uh Which came, one was that? Uh you played as a like Apache helicopter uh during Desert Strike and the, the final mission was actually um I I want to say take, taking out a uh uh it was like a giant uh, c-130 or it was a jumbo jet uh that had uh saddam hussein on it oh wow okay yeah and it it was hailed as uh obviously controversial game for the time um but you look back and it, it was it was a really fun game i didn't think about you know the the actual violence about it but you know it it did have um, I want to say the uh, first President Bush in it, um, technically, I, it was his likeness. And I don't re- recall if they ever actually called him uh, Bush or, you know, just president or whatever, or Mr. President. But uh, they they did actually, I want to say, refer to Saddam Hussein as Saddam, mm-hmm. you know. So it it was a very pointed game. And I... I feel like I do remember there being controversy about that one. I do remember the controversy about Mortal Kombat especially because you know when it came to uh the the time when I finally could get my hands on one. I got my hands on Mortal Kombat through 3 and I was, you know, so happy that I actually had this amazing fighting game and I was like, well, it's okay. <laughs> I, I I really didn't see you know all the 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 hype about just this violence. I think it was the the fact that um people weren't used to to seeing that much of something that was an assault on their senten- senses and they didn't know how to handle it. Um, and that that was the the cause for concern over some of the stuff in at that time, but um. You look at some of some of the games that you know moving forward onto um other consoles or or you know or even plumbers don't wear ties that one was almost at times it was it was almost like shameful like it was shaming the person for playing it, but at the the other at other times it was like, "Oh well, you did the wrong thing, but oh
0: man, I know didn't you yeah that's oh that's very true, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think back, though, too, is like, you know, exactly like you said, is it Mortal Kombat is definitely one of the ones that really sticks out as one of the big things. I mean, especially because it was industry changing with the ESRB really being um, really coming into being because of that game. Um, But what I think about more, though, is what caused a lot more of the controversy is that video games were not thought of as anything more than a kid's toy. Right, because where were video games sold at? They necessarily weren't in the electronics department. They were usually in the toy department, and that was something that Nintendo had started up because they knew that would be what would help revitalize the video game industry, is that it's like, put it in the toy area. So while people at that point in time, parents and such were used to to gore and violence, but more so in the sense of rated R movies. Like you go back and look at a lot of the slasher films of the 70s and 80s. I'm Mm -hmm. talking like your Friday the 13th, your Halloween, uh, your Nightmare on Elm Street. A lot of those movies, you know, it's like they're aware of that, but they realize like, okay, I'm an adult. I'm able to go see this, no problem. And now it's like this kid's toy is allowing them to be able to exert violence on another being whether it be a human or, or, I guess, reptile, if you want to put it in Mortal Kombat sense. Right. It's, it's still, it's one of these things now. It's like now you're exerting violence on something else. I mean, sure, I see you picking on your little brother or your little sister, but you're ripping a guy's skull and spine out. So I think that's where a lot of it, especially in retrospect, was, is that a video game console is a kid's toy. It's being sold in the toy aisle, and now there's a game that goes with it that allows them to kill somebody.
1: Yeah, and I I think that that's kind of where that because the ESRB there there had to be the creation of the ESRB uh, because you know at, prior to Mortal Kombat you know there the, there weren't a lot of like super violent video games there were violent video games but it wasn't like to the point you were ripping out a skull of someone you know on screen, um, and at that point, it was, you know, who was your target audience? But it was mostly children because it was a toy. It was originally sold in the toy aisle. Then it got brought over to the electronics aisle when, you know, more consoles started moving in and people realized, oh, this is something that has to be hooked to the TV. It's not just a standalone toy. You know, this is part of your your family's entertainment system. And then maybe adults, uh, adults can uh, play, you know, games, too. But then, you know, who is the target audience and then the creation of Mortal Kombat? And then there has to be the discussion of, well, now we have defined target audiences and we have to show that
0: these games are for those defined target audiences. That's a very excellent point, especially moving into the idea of what consoles can do more of now, (laughs) not even just in the actual like graphical sense of like what they can actually perform, but the the utility of a console itself. Like Let's right. take a look at the PlayStation 2. Okay, we get into the late 90s to early 2000s, the PlayStation 2 releases. Mm-hmm. It's not only a video game console, but it has the ability to play music on it if you drop a CD into it. It has the ability to connect to the internet if you buy the network adapter, but it also has the ability to play DVDs. So for a lot of people... At that point in time who wanted to not have to buy multiple electronics to do all these things, it was sometimes easier to just go buy the PlayStation 2. So it's like, okay, it is a game system, but I know I can throw a DVD into it. I can go buy the Universal right. Remote for it, and then I don't have to go buy anything else. And then my kids can play on it when I'm not watching DVD. You know, it's it's got those trade offs, But that probably is maybe what introduced more consoles into the home. I mean, video gaming was already – still pretty big, at, or was pretty big at that point. It's, it's been always getting big. It's been getting bigger since, you know, since we were kids anyway. It's always right. been growing. It's become even bigger than movies now, really, in regards to the actual amount of money. But the utility changed on what the console was, so you saw more people actually adopting them and bringing them in, and for the first time, now it was opening up more to the types of games that people could potentially be bringing into their homes. And one game that comes to mind, of course, especially probably one of the more popular PlayStation Two games, was Grand Theft Auto Three,
1: right? Um, but you know, prior to that, there there was uh, Grand Theft Auto. What was it? One, two, and the uh, it was Grand the- London,
0: I think. Grand oh. Theft Auto London or
1: something. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto London, but mm-hmm. two was on uh, Dreamcast. That's true, um, as well as PC. And, you know, they, they were top-down, but they were controversial, Controversial, excuse me, uh, due to the subject matter. But then you moved into a whole different controversial re- realm when you, you know, make it into a third-person shooter. That It's not just necessarily about jacking cars, but you're doing more than that. You're doing different crimes. You're gunning people down. You're doing drive-bys. You're robbing banks. You know, you're doing heists. Um, it, it covers a lot more bases. All of a sudden, it, it's almost like you know. It, and what the, the the media would have you believe, because of you know certain people's interpretation of it, was that it romanticized violence and and uh crime. When which you know the story also always usually pretty much played it out as well. It was a negative thing and you were doing it for either negative reasons or because you got wrapped up in negative things.
0: True. That's very true. And I may have gotten a little ahead there, especially with talking about Grand Theft Auto 3, because when you mentioned third-person shooter, uh, one of the games that came to mind, I'm thinking even going back to like PlayStation, mm-hmm. was the original Resident Evil games for PlayStation. Right. And But that that did have a level of violence to it, but the whole premise of the game was already like made known to you at least to the point that it's like you're not actually shooting people it's like these are the undead zombies you Mm -hmm. know at that point you have these mutated enemies that were made off of this whole thing you know it's this whole story this whole lore is that you're not just playing a game for the sake of killing things now you're starting to take this controversy but you're actually putting a whole plot into the game itself so it actually makes it more than just you know, it's not just, it's not controversy for the sake of controversy at all. It is a foundation to a larger story that for us in the last 20 years, we -hmm. have seen fleshed out so much more now to the point of like what we see with Resident Evil Village. You know, how, how much has expanded in the Resident Evil universe in the video game part of it specifically that, you know, it's not just about killing zombies or trying to take down Nemesis or Tyrant. It's, there is a lot of story and a lot of plot behind it though that engages players more than just the killing. Right. So at that point in time, you know, Resident Evil may not necessarily have stirred up all of the the same craziness and chaos that Grand Theft Auto and its subsequent releases have. Uh, but it is at least still one to mention, though, because you did make mention of third-person shooter, and I wanted to at least bring that one up as well without missing right. it. But yeah. So Even with the original Grand Theft Auto games making an appearance on Dreamcast or even the original PlayStation, Mm -hmm. um, again, as we get into more of that graphical power, especially with the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox coming out as well, Mm -hmm. I mean, really, uh, like, I mean, you look at a lot of the things that came out at that point in time, Grand Theft Auto is always the one that really comes out as what caused the most controversy. Because it was open, you can go and do what you wanted. You didn't have to play the story. You can go and kill everybody to your heart's content. You can get into a firefight with the cops. You want to go hook up with a hooker? By all means, go do it.
1: I I don't know. I think it it depended once again uh, on timing of the game and you know what what they targeted for the negative subject matter of each particular Grand Theft Auto game. You, typically, with the Grand Theft Auto games, it always had to do with the uh, violence and you know, some of the, the, the subject matter with the hookers. Um, But then, you know, you look at other games and they were, they were targeted for other reasons,
0: you know, that's very true. I'm trying to think back to some other, just like PlayStation two and Xbox titles. And one of the only ones that comes to mind, it doesn't necessarily elicit controversy in the sense of violence or sexuality, Um, or controversy for the sake of controversy, and this is one I had made mention of before we started recording, was America's Army. Mm -hmm. So America's Army did release on, I believe they had versions of it that were out on, I believe the original Xbox and PlayStation 2. They put more emphasis on the PC side though, but America's Army was actually developed by um, the United States military.
1: Yeah, you know, as it, a recruitment tool. As
0: a recruitment tool. I actually, back in high school or junior high, whenever it was, I remember getting a free copy of it from a recruiter or something like that. I can't remember where I got it. But I remember I had it, and it wasn't just like any other shooter at that point in time. It wasn't like playing Call of Duty 1, Call of Duty 2, and anything like that. You would actually have... Um, you would actually have range drills where you were sitting there and, like, you'd actually be shooting at the specific targets like you would in basic training. Right. There was the one vivid one I remember was the medical training. Like, there was one you actually had to sit back and you had to go through all the medical training that they had too. Mm-hmm. You had to answer the questions right. And it felt like you were literally sitting in a class for hours oh, learning wow. all these different, like, field medical uh, techniques. It was just, it was insane on how much time I'd actually spent sitting there paying attention to this. Huh. And after all of that, after going through some other things, then you could actually get into combat scenarios in there or hmm. go online and play against other people. Interesting. Yeah. So it was a recruitment tool in the sense of like, you're, we're going to expose you to some of the things you get into in basic training, but right. we're also going to maintain the gameplay that you are seeing in our, our trailers and our demos that does look like an online shooter. You know, and it it was at that point, though, too, you know, it offered that other side of it. But I want to at least look at the controversy, especially in the sense of recruiting there from the military. Mm -hmm. Um, And America's Army seems to really, I think, be the only thing they had. I know the military has potentially had some other tie ins with other video games. Like there, there are some things that come to mind, but I just can't like. Grab names from my head here to actually tell yeah, say what they are. Place any at the moment. but but you know what I'm talking about, right, though. Like yeah. you understand. There have been other things, but the most popularized one has been America's Army,
1: right? But I mean, uh, well, I I mean, what's the one? Six Days in Fallujah. I mean, that one kinda can be a tie-in just because the the fact that they did interview the actual soldiers that were some of the soldiers that were involved with uh, the event. But I, uh, I mean, as far as that, I, I don't think there's been any others, um, that I can think of offhand. Yeah, that are directly involved with the the you know the military.
0: Yeah, I, like I said, I know there's been other like partnerships and things that have been included. Uh, but America's Army is just always going to stick out as one of those, and they're not doing it anymore. Like that right. was like I think a news story that came out sometime in the last few weeks that said they were officially shutting everything down for it. That it's like they met their objective for what they were going to do, and now they're moving on to different things. Right? I swear to God, if it's NFTs and metaverse stuff, I'm just oh I'm going well, insane. Anyway,
1: even even to that to that effect, I don't I don't think um, six days in Fallujah is necessarily uh, thrown together as a military recruitment tool. It's it's you know more of an actual like. An actual account uh type scenario they're they're trying to tell the events of actual soldiers um it's not it's not trying to romanticize the the military or or train you for you know boot camp or for
0: what you might encounter after boot camp that's true that is that's very true especially like with what they're trying to approach but i mean I mean, I, I feel like talking about Six Days of Fluja kind of gets us a little bit farther ahead in generations, than right, that, to Where right. it's at. No, I, uh, yeah,
1: just th- that—that's the only other example I can
0: think of. At least, yeah, no, you're you're right. At least in that case, um, I can think of some other military games, like uh, like one that I've really enjoyed was SOCOM, U.S. Navy SEALs. Right. And the only reason I like that one is that it wasn't about the run and gun; mm-hmm. it was about the strategy. It was about that you could actually command the rest of uh, the squad you had with you to get into the right positions and to take your time and go through it it was the actual strategizing the actual uh, movements and motions to be successful instead of just run and gun right um but even with that said though is i think one thing that and this makes me feel awful because we hadn't mentioned anything like that is in regards to violence and stirring up controversy though is that it didn't necessarily do it there at the start but what culminated from it was definitely one of the bigger tragedies here in the United States, and that was with Doom and the custom levels made by uh, the shooters of Columbine back in 99. Right. So it wasn't necessarily that the game itself was controversial, controversial in the same sense as some of these other ones. Granted, yes, you're, the whole position of the game was that you're a Marine on a Mars base demons are everywhere, you're going and shooting them. Yes, at that point in time, blood, you're basically seeing like the little skeletons that hover on the ground. Mm -hmm. But even so, there were still basically developer tools that were out there where people who wanted to make their own custom levels could. And while I haven't seen any of it, I know that it does exist out there still in some form or another, is that the shooters at Columbine did make levels of the school um, Mm -hmm. in Doom. Or in Wolfenstein, it's all the same engine anyway. I want to
1: say it was in Doom, but yeah, you're right. It's literally the same engine.
0: Exactly. So that's one thing at least to go back and, and mention, at least in the grand scheme of controversy, is that the controversy came from not necessarily the blood and violence in the game, but the ability for a person to be able to actually take their time and at least in that type of setting, though, granted not the best graphics anyway, but at the time, sure, why not, to be able to recreate their school and actually create a and formulate a plan to basically incite violence and cause a pretty big tragedy. Right. So it's not necessarily that the game was, but I, it, the grand scheme of controversy, at least it's still worth mentioning, that it was heightened by that, though.
1: Right, right. And, you know, they, they had the ability. I mean, anyone had that ability. It was just, you know, they made the choice to 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 do what they did um but the fact that um it was able to be published and it was out there and at one point anyway that you know it was it was available to other people granted that that was starting through forum posts that they would have started but still I mean, it, it does show that there there was the violence out there in the video games, but it it does also escalate it into things when you look at like games like Hatred. Um, that's jumping way further forward, but that that's just violence for violence. That that's uh being totally controversial for no other sake than being controversial. Just just an absurd game about murder. Um, and I, I think that 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 feeds into that kind of crowd that that would have enjoyed seeking out those levels. But to the same effect, it that that's not what the original intention of the game was. It's just that's how it was warped, and you know, someone used the tools and assets out there that were available for it to alter the game to be that way. And then, you, whereas.
0: A game like hatred it was it was created specifically for that yeah hatred really seems to fit that edge lord quote-unquote alpha male type thing where it really does feel like someone who thinks that they're above everybody else but they're one who really has more like the social issues that they just haven't been able to address themselves and um you know, are fed a lot of these things. They they see themselves in that position, though, as like the, the anti-hero who will go around and, you know, basically avenge for, um, you know, what other people have done, even though in reality it's just all in their own head. Right. So – and we've seen stuff like that, too. Like there was um, – there have been shootings like that where people have been in that same position. And, of course, a lot of people go back. It's like one of the first things you see in the media and you have for a while now especially is like – who was this person? It's like, what do they do with themselves? It's like, oh, yeah, they played all these different video games. It's like, oh, yeah, on their computer, the, the police found Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto and, and Doom and, and all this. And then everything just spins out of control that mm-hmm. way, too. Sometimes the people are manipulated by that, and that's a mental illness, and that's a, that's a problem we have in our country is not being able to treat mental illnesses properly or at least making easy, affordable access to mental um, – like, for mental health. Right, you know that is a big thing, and so you do have some people who are influenced by video games. Whether they it is something like hatred, or whether it is being able to make your custom levels that look like the high school down the road, you have some of that. But out of everybody who does play these video games, you're talking about a very narrow, very narrow, very small percentage of people, though, who who are like that, who do fit that narrative, unfortunately. Right, so, right. but it paints every gamer though into a bad like into a bad corner, it puts them into a bad spot, um but yeah, I wanted to reverse back on that though, because I know that caused a lot of controversy uh anyway, just because of the level editing, not necessarily the the blood and gore part of it, but mm. um as we continue on, of course, though, going through the rest of the generations on things, um graphical power, compute power, all of this ability for being able to render things that were more real and more lifelike has become the norm mm-hmm. I mean you look at the focus on on ray tracing in video games now to offer that that comprehensive lighting that actual dynamic lighting that you know we're used to in normal everyday life that we actually see as we're you know sitting here in this room or being outside with the sunlight reflecting off of a of a puddle that then reflects right back onto the a car or something like that you know it's just mentioning ray tracing as one of the bigger techs, but right 4k but I mean, even, hdr all of even that even
1: before any of that i mean we were starting to see you know more realistic character models clear back on you know the uh the the 360 and then moving mm-hmm. forward onto the you know ps4 and xbox one and you know the the graphics have, have gotten better beyond and not only that they they uh the the video game developers have found different tricks to you know trick your eyes to think you were looking at something that was a better picture than it actually was mm-hmm. um but yeah the the ray tracing and you know the the new leaps and bounds in technology have have carried it even further
0: and and brought it to a new step in in realism true very true and you look at um, you know, while, while the graphical power, compute power has gone up and, and things can now be rendered where they do look more lifelike. I mean, you look at a lot of these demonstration videos um, or character model videos that the devs will put up. Like an example is of Hellblade 2 mm-hmm. and uh, the most recently released uh, Horizon Forbidden West where they're zoomed in on these character models that they've created and the actual detail on it really looks like they took a picture of of somebody right up close. Right. And... That definitely alludes into a bunch of different things, but I think where we start to really see a lot of this fundamental shift, though, um, you know, I I especially want to focus like on um, the sexualized side of things, though, too. I'll Mm -hmm. jump ahead here on this one. We can kind of go back a little bit because I got another couple or another game to mention at least or two, Um, and we were talking about it was Cyberpunk. Is that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? Um, even outside of all of its problems and issues it had, bugs and and the release issues and and the problems on um, last-generation consoles, is that the over-sexualization of things in that game was, quite frankly, just even more than I expected. Like, going into the game itself, that um, knowing that you could basically make the character that you want to make, down to the point of being able to choose your genitalia and also being able to even pick out your voice. Like, you could be a male with a vagina and have a, um, a female voice to go with it, though, too. So if you were someone who's identified, it, who identifies in the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ plus space, sorry, I didn't mm-hmm. mean to mess that up, you could actually feel like you're being represented in the game as the person you want to be. You don't have to pick a... Um, you, if you want to identify as a male, you don't have to go pick a... Um, you don't have to go pick a male that is anatomically like 100% male. You could be someone who definitely falls into like the trans category where you're becoming male, but you still are um, biologically at least a female in that regard. Right. Again, no offense here for anybody in the LGBTQ plus community at all. Just trying to at least as much as I can at least try to specify here on this one. But you you get what I'm saying is that representation definitely became better, but um, and made at least some people feel a little bit more, in there and character customization did that. Things like Skyrim, things like Fallout, you know, you could take the time to really make those precise tweaks. But even as soon as you start up Cyberpunk, um, the advertisements that are out there for um, things of a sexual nature are just so grandiose and so um, just apparent. Like nothing's hidden. Like you've got posters that are hung up in. What look like movie theater poster style frames mm-hmm. that are advertising someone um, with a strap on, right? You know? and or
1: you walk by a shop window and it's full of just shelves of glass phalluses. Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, it's very blatant, very
0: in your face. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's not to say like you know there are things like that that do exist in the real world, but obviously in a very modest way, or at least at a point where, um, you know, you're not going to see it if you're walking down, like, you know, downtown here, you're not going to have posters up like that. Right. But you might have a couple shops that are farther down the road that have stuff like that, though. Um, but anyway, even with that, though, is that just like movies, of course, there might be some things that are not necessarily of a sexual nature, but um, like one of the beginning parts of Cyberpunk 2077 is that there is a there's a person that you're trying to go and rescue who basically was going to be um who was basically be harvested for whatever cybernetics or organs or whatever it was you know they were going to take from her right um and as we've seen in movies and TV shows though too, is that there is a level like you know where people go and rescue like that, and this woman in there is completely nude, okay, so that in of itself is not necessarily a problem you know mm-hmm. it's like you know what you're kind of getting into with this game anyway, so you're expecting to see that. Um, that in of itself, at least in regards to media and what you're trying to accomplish, isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Everything else, though, that you see out there, um, yeah, it just really does seem to be way more in your face than you expected it to be. And right. I feel like that's kind of put some of those things, maybe put that out there too much into a bad light, like by trying to throw it into your face. I don't know what CD Projekt Red's goal was with it, but it's way out there.
1: I don't know. I, I think part of that, that their goal was to, to try and push the envelope, to try and be controversial in that sense to just to be controversial, you know, see how much they could get away with without trying to, you know, move the needle uh, or move their, their, their needle on the ESRB uh, for that particular game and, and see, you know, so maybe for future games, they they knew what buttons they could push, what buttons they couldn't. I mean, they, they had to have known a little bit with, you know, Witcher. But that really just, some of it for that one was just like, was it really necessary? Was it really necessary
0: that every shop on the street is a sex shop? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially as you walk through Night City and, you know, every NPC that you pass by is going to be for the majority different you know they're going to be using different character models they're going to have different setups in that too but you've also got a lot of um npc like little kids moving around in there too that you pass by and you're walking by some of this stuff and i can't think of a place in the world where there's anything like that either now i'm i'm only saying this more so as a parent than i am as a gamer in that case because i do have younger kids Mm -hmm. um and obviously, they're not going to be playing a game like this for a very, very long time anyway. Right. Um, but stuff like that doesn't exist in the real world. And at least at, at the scale of stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, of, of what we see there. Um, but I have to be able to be that person and mentally prepare them that stuff like this does exist. You know, stuff like this is there, but it's not anything like this. Like when you enter the real world as like a full fledged adult, it's like, this is not how the world is. in any way either and so i think you're right is that again like looking at this as a parent you know this is obviously something i'm not going to let my kids play um at least my younger kids um but at the same time though um i do get i think that cd project red was probably trying to push the envelope a bit like how far can we really get and i'm sure there's probably things that they did pull
1: oh I'm i'm sure yeah yeah I mean I you, you look at some of the the well I you know they they of course they did have whole you know parts of programming that they pulled like with uh different things you were supposed to be able to do with the mantis oh, blades yeah. oh, and whatnot yeah. but I I'm I'm sure as far as like you know violent content or uh sexual content um including some I'm I'm sure graphic graphic sexual content um had to have been pulled just so they could see how much they could get away with just so they could say, Oh, well, we'll, we'll still, you know, sneak this in and sneak this in just so, you know, in the future, maybe other game companies or, you know, they themselves could produce a game that, you know, could be the next one that pushes the envelope, but it wasn't going to be as
0: difficult. True. I I think that's probably it is just like, we're, how far can we get Mm -hmm. and how, much more can we do potentially in the future now that we've hit this point? Like, what what's going to be the next goalpost for us to hit to see if we can still maintain this same rating? So,
1: but I I guess you know what what becomes the end goal of you know trying to push the envelope? Is it just that you know you want to be able to tell as much of a story as possible, and you don't if you cross the line, you don't want to worry about having to push any buttons or do you want to seek to push people's buttons? Do you want to go and make people angry or make people think what what what's the end goal for, you know, the pe- people producing the,
0: the the games, I guess? Yeah, it, it comes back to what I had said there at the uh, uh in the intro is controversy for the sake of controversy. Right. Exactly. Because I'm sure there there are still games out there that the reason they are pushing the
1: envelope now is because in the future um they want to be able to you know tell more of a comprehensive story that like you look at grand theft auto 5 as a as a whole complete story the the oh, actual yeah. story that it does tell oh yeah absolutely if it weren't for the things that they had accomplished in vice city in grand theft auto 3 in even even in red dead you know the the steps that they took Getting to Grand Theft Auto Five and the flack that they had taken from the media, you know, all the way there, and even in Grand Theft Auto Five, could they have told that story? Could they have told it the same way and as complete as they, they possibly did? I don't think so.
0: No, and I don't think they could have either. Um, last thing I'm going to say on the cyberpunk stuff, and then we can move on, is that A lot of the exposure to cyberpunk stuff that is out there, um, granted, yes, it's like, could they tell all that stuff without, um, you know, could they tell the same story without all of the over-sexualization of things in that game? Most likely, because not a lot of it really seems to have any value to the game itself other than to be there for what seems like maybe the shock value. Like, this is what you could see potentially in the future. No,
1: but I I think part of it with cyberpunk is the the setting because it is the the setting uh uh part of it is the setting of of the actual like pen and paper rpg but there is a lot of extreme you know creative license taken with you know the the sexualization of, of everything in the in the world so
0: yeah no kidding and Where I want to leave it on the cyberpunk stuff, though, is that when I see cyberpunk stuff online, not just cyberpunk 2077, but cyberpunk as a genre, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff I see is nowhere near what it looks like in cyberpunk 2077 anyway, is that a lot of it does have maybe a slightly sexual tone to it, like it might be a... Uh, it might be a female who is cybernetic in some form mm-hmm. like maybe you can tell that she's definitely had like her arm replaced or something like that and maybe she is wearing something that is a little skimpier i guess you know um the same goes for like the males that are that you see in the cyberpunk cultures too like with a lot of like the fan drawings and things um it's like you can definitely tell but it's not in a position where it feels like it is sexualized it's just it's showing more of like What could the future look like if we offered these cybernetic augmentations to, like, to ourselves and to others, to potentially improve our quality of life, while at the same time still continuing with that futuristic um, idea of, you know, mega cities, the 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 flying cars, um, you know, all the brand new tech that comes out that you can just throw a chip into the back of your head and and no kung fu, you know? I'm I'm just that's where I wanted to leave it at because at least with the cyberpunk stuff because that's exactly like what i've always known about it And then jumping into 2077 it's like what what have i been missing in the in the cyberpunk war, just genre in general that this is part of it so well, I, that's where i wanted to leave
1: and, it though. and see i think with the the cyberpunk books um because that that one's more based off of the original pen and paper cyberpunk 2077 rp rpg right yeah yeah i understand that and part of it is you're right you know it is that that there has been that ability to you know just pop in a chip and it's 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 all there you know and because you have access to so much like that um that's why the society is so forward about the sexualization of everything and you know you you can be you know a dude with you know female parts and you know of either a female's or a dude's voice or maybe you can swap voices who knows um but there there is that that major creative extreme taken in the game and i i i don't know maybe they they wanted to try and push the envelope to see you know if it would help the
0: story in that sense but i don't know that it necessarily did in cyberpunk as much so, as I've played of it, and as much as I've seen, and as much as I've heard, it doesn't really feel like it fits in to it at all. Like, really, at least in the grand scheme of it, it doesn't really feel like right. it needs to to be there. But, Some of it does,
1: but not all of it does.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's move on from the cyberpunk stuff there, because we definitely jumped ahead generationally. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to move back into things that kind of tie more into, like, the real world events. Um, mm-hmm. And going back to what you would start talking about, of course, um, <laughs> was, um, was Six Days at Fallujah, or I guess really we could look at like the, the war game genre as it exists now, or at least yeah. has existed for the last 10 to 15 years. And, you know, we talk about Six Days at Fallujah, which the game is supposed to be based on um, the accounts of soldiers that were in the Battle of Fallujah, in Iraq, Mm -hmm. and what their experiences were, and then that's all supposed to be translated into an interactive situation. Like, you're actually playing a game based on what they had told you, um, or at least based on what they had told the developers, excuse me. Right. And that has generated enough controversy because not only was the Battle of Fallujah one of the larger battles that happened in the Iraq War, but I think part of it, though, too, was it wasn't just – a battle against insurgency in Iraq i believe it was also a high number of civilian casualties though um from the iraqi population during that same time so i want to get your thought at least on that one before we talk about some of these other games that are out there some of these other war games like do you feel that 6 days in fallujah has a spot in in the way we play video games because it is based on those real world like that real world actual event where it wasn't just killing an insurgent or or trying to secure a location. It was it actually did lead to the death of multiple civilians.
1: Right. And you know, I mean they 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 are trying to retell a story in that one and retell the the accounts of actual soldiers. Um I, I think at the time the timing was extremely bad when it was originally gonna come out. Um, and you know, now that they've started talking about potentially making it again, the timing, it had cooled off, but obviously the, the current climate of everything with the rest of the world, um, makes it a little bit more difficult again. But I think if, if it's going to come out, they're going to ha- have to just put it out. It, it's one of those games that it, it it's trying to tell an account. It's not necessarily trying to, um, marginalize anyone or or make make it sound more fantastic than it was they're they're just trying to tell the actual accounts uh, of the soldiers so i i if if you wait too long of of course there there's always the potential uh the longer you wait the the higher risk there is for something to happen in the real world that that could make it more controversial again That that would make it more difficult to put out, um, like what what's going on now. But um, I, I I don't think that this necessarily ne- means that you don't need to put it out now that they've they've talked about doing it again. And you know, looking at you know what other games have come out uh, since they had first announced that they wanted to make the game, I I think it's a lot easier to produce that type of game. However, I I think going forward from that, uh, depending on, you know, what happens uh, with the world, you know, looking at, you know, games like like hatred and with with the school shootings and one, one we didn't even touch on was uh, ready or not. I mean, it, it popped up in the news because um, I believe it was Team 17 dropped it after a discord post that one of the. Uh, the uh, developers had made that said that we're definitely going to have a school shooting level that that's what we do is we run these scenarios that they're strictly SWAT scenarios, um, playing the, uh, quote unquote, good guys taking out the, the insurgent or the, the assailant or, you know, the, the, the active shooter. Yeah. 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 But, um, because of the, those comments, Team Seventeen dropped them, and the company actually had to publish the game themselves. Um, now, I, I think they're trying to definitely be sensational for just for the sake of being sensational by saying that. But maybe if they were to approach it different and say that they were trying to um, put out that that level or that game as a training or you know for the military or for law enforcement they wouldn't have had so much flack but you know it also depends on how they released the game and who they released the game to and you know it it didn't in that sense have to do with how they promoted the game
0: yeah that's one of the big ones especially um that with ready or not i think the the whole idea of a SWAT game, because there were games that came out prior to that were actually titled SWAT. Right. And they were very popular because of those types of tactics that mirrored what real police forces would actually do in SWAT-type situations. Um, but yeah, you are right. Is that the ready-or-not situation with the potential for a school shooting level, a school shooting situation that you had to act as a SWAT team to go through clear rooms and go and find the shooter... Definitely stirred up a lot of problems because here in the United States, we have the issues with school shooting. We like That's one of the bigger things that, I hate to say it, the United States really has is that the number of school shootings that we have or or even just shootings in general in the United States is so great. But to tie it in, though, especially after the events of 2020 with um, the Black Lives Matter and ACAB Mm -hmm. and – Um, even going back to that with stuff like the, the Parkland shooting, um, you know, you've got Virginia Tech, you go back to Columbine and stuff too. Um, you've got all of these events that have actually happened in real life and people who are still suffering, um, Sandy Hook as well, the elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you've got people who are still suffering because of this. And I would expect them to no matter what, like if I lost my child in a school shooting, you better believe that. You know, for them to try to put something like this into a game, it's like you're not going to be able to really take this situation that deals with the death of children and put it into a and put it into a light where you know you're simulating what the SWAT team would actually be doing. Because if you look at a lot of those shooter situations, anyway, usually by the time the police officers get there, if I'm right, <coughs> but don't quote me on this, is that it seems like the shooters have either already taken their own lives or um, have, um, well, nor- normally it's them like taking their own lives. Yeah. I mean, especially you look in the case of like Columbine and um, Sandy Hook. Um, but what really bothers me more than anything is that we're at a point now, especially because um, we're a year out from or we're a year after the January 6th insurrection of the Capitol mm-hmm. where people were supporters of a certain person broke into the Capitol and caused uh, major damage, of course, but also were looking to potentially execute people, uh, senators and uh, representatives, of course, they felt were a right. threat to what was going on, especially because of the, the arguments about the election. I'm not trying to go into politics here, but um, but the problem, though, of course, is that you have all these different militia groups who are forming in the United States, and while some of them, or at least a majority of them, are former military and former police— and have this tactics training by partnering with police departments or military to get their feedback on how something should perform in a game outside of like, you know, maybe working out some sort of contractual thing to be able to use the weapons for sound effect purposes or something, or getting uniforms and material to get texture samples for, for rendering in the game. Um, I'm talking about like consulting on tactics, positioning, communication, um, All of that, that leads into another thing that, you know, it's not like Grand Theft Auto or really, I guess, Grand Theft Auto, where everybody's worried that you're going to go and (laughs) run over a hooker. Um, It's talking more about how the militia movement here in the United States could potentially recruit by using stuff like that and by teaching those people who are not former military, not former police, how to work in a tactical situation and help improve their ranks. You know, right. that that's, that's one of those big things. And again, I'm really not trying to go political with this, but as we've seen in the last few years, even hell, the last decade, it's still something to at least be cognizant of as gamers to what we are putting out there. Because um, even though the majority of people really aren't that impressionable, you still have those few people, just like the people who make school shooting levels out of Doom, who are impressionable, who are capable of not really reasoning or having that reasoning, but they act out on these situations. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's why I wanted to at least like kind of focus on some of that though, especially in the ready or not, Mm -hmm. because it, it, I think more of it though, not necessarily just as a, a training tool for these militia groups or for anybody else, but the school shooting part is just really insensitive. And I can't find a way for anybody to do that where, Especially in video games, where you have to interact with it to make that something that doesn't offend the families of people who uh, of children and other people who have died in these shootings.
1: Right, right. Um, but to the same effect, I I don't know. It you know you you see where the uh, where we're at now, currently, um, and where we're moving into uh, where because of the current climate uh, and maybe it's not because of the current climate, but you're also seeing what effects it might have on the, uh, industry. We're looking at games that because of they, they've sensationalized the violence for so long or the violent, the violent video games have become popularized for so long. They've also gone down in quality and, uh now we're looking at you know games not not returning for a year but maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing maybe it's time for us to be able to look back at that market and say you know is it too much or is it you know is it enough or you know where where do we need to draw the line and where where do we actually need to examine what what games need to be uh, tapered back, and maybe we
0: need to re-examine the the uh, ESRB. Potentially, I mean that might be one thing, but of course the ESRB really is more than anything a voluntary service when it comes to video games. Anyway, but you're not going to get your video game up on a actual store shelf unless it's actually been through the ESRB. Right now, your indie developers though are going to be able to publish things on GOG on Steam. Mm-hmm. and be able to put those out there without any sort of problem necessarily but obviously if they are putting it up there on a distribution platform and it violates the terms of service well there goes your game right that's gone and that's it it's not stopping you from developing but it's stopping you because you're not following the rules here of this platform um so i know we talked about of course you know some more domestic things as well though too but i want to focus on Two more games in particular, um, more so two parts of two games. They were mentioned in the intro, and then I think we're probably going to be able to kind of wrap it up with some final words on this. And um, I feel like this first one I'm going to mention definitely has more of a hard-hitting feeling to what's happening right now in Mm -hmm. Ukraine, and that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is... Well known at least I mean being a call of duty game, I enjoyed playing the modern warfare series um as quite a few people did, but they introduced a scene into that game, a playable scene, and you know exactly which one this is the no Russian scene where a terrorist and a terrorist leader and um seven or eight of his um seven or eight of his associates ended up going into a airport. I think it was either a German or French airport. And of course, one of the first things he says to you is because they're all Russian. He says, no Russian. They go in and start speaking clear English without accents to try to disguise who they are, but they go in and they shoot up the airport. Like Mm -hmm. you are actually tasked with being able to, or, you know, you have the choice to do it to, you know, to shoot and kill civilians as you're moving through, you know, you come across the, the, the random security, That is in there, but you don't actually start to face a police or military presence until you get like way down the line in that level. Now, Infinity War did introduce at the beginning of it because people knew that was going to be in the game before it released. They did introduce the option saying you don't have to play this like they actually stop you at that level just before you even start the first cutscene that says the next level may contain sensitive content. You don't have to play this because it's not detrimental to the story. But it does offer another layer of understanding at least as to where things do progress in here, though, because if you skip right. it, you're not going to miss out on the majority of the story, but it does offer another layer as to some of those other events. So it does give you a choice to do so um without necessarily any penalty to you, really um But that one really did stir up a lot of controversy in the post nine eleven world, but it came to mind as an i as part of the idea for this topic. Because of what's going on in Ukraine right now, that something like this could not release right now, and well, and especially
1: you know with uh, news that happened exactly today with the potential that that um, there could have been Russians carrying on as as Yugoslavian soldiers in Yugoslavian vehicles. I mean that that's you're talking Ukrainian or Ukrainian, excuse me. That that's what I meant. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make Um, sure. Yeah.
0: No. Um. Yeah. Basically, literally dressing dressing as the normal population. Yeah. I get you. Acting as
1: spies, uh, carrying on false flag operations. Mm -hmm. You know, it's literally the same thing. Um, Well, ish. I mean, they're in the game. You're carrying a false flag operation, acting as terrorists, um, but pretending to be someone else. Um, I don't think that could that could be published right now or potentially maybe a year or two from now five years from now if if conflicts are resolved and you know the climate of you know what's going on here in the united states and what's going on you know overseas calms down maybe it might be a little easier to publish and be successful on the shelves that that's another thing that's true is the the fact that for for things like this to be published is the actual publisher think has to have the the thought that oh someone's actually going to buy this it's going to be popular so for for someone to develop something like that and not be popular they're they're only hurting the market and they're only hurting themselves
0: (laughs) yeah that's very true that they are and The reason why bringing up even Modern Warfare 2 is not even just the controversy, but the rumor was that the next – I don't even actually think it was a rumor. I think it was confirmed that the next release in the Call of Duty series was not only going to be a second Warzone game, but also the remake of Modern Warfare 2 to fall in line with what we saw with the Modern Warfare 1 remake in 2019. Right, and I hadn't even heard that until you had told me earlier this evening. Yeah, and – that game has now been pushed out to next year. So we're going to have our first year in 20 years where a Call of Duty game won't release. And I don't know if an explanation has been given. I really have not had time to catch up on the video game news today um, or for the last few days for that matter. But what my understanding is, though, at least, is that it does relate to what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, And that obviously with... I hate to say how popular the no Russian level was. That just that just feels bad to say. But with the no Russian level, though, being really a mainstay of what Modern Warfare 2 was, as being something that you could do, um, that it was going to most likely make a reappearance in some form in the remake of the game. I, I'm I'm almost positive that would be the case. To to release Modern Warfare 2 remake without that in there i'm sure you know obviously would upset a lot of fans and of course i'm sure that the devs would be doing it in a way where they're trying to be sensitive to things so it's like well we just couldn't do this because obviously with what's been going on in the world anyway
1: or Um, you know on the other hand though too
0: um
1: maybe they could can since it is going to be you know not next year but the following year it could contain that level but it it's also with the caveat that you know you you're you're the one that's making that choice you know once once again you're you're the one that that has to make the choice to to either play the level or not play the level to pull the trigger or not pull the trigger and the fact that you know it's not it's not trying to cover up what's going on in the world it's not shying away from it but it's not also trying to sensationalize it either
0: Exactly. It's it's really not, but I do see, though, that if that is the case, that's why Activision and Infinity War decided to shelve it for the year. Right. You know, that being a big part of it, because it feels like, especially at the False Flag stuff, that is something that could happen. Um, but then, of course, the last game I want to get into, and then we'll do our wrap-up here, is, um, is what is it, Spec Ops The Line. And Spec Ops The Line was released in what year was this in 2012? Okay. So this was, um, God, wow. 10 years ago. Yeah. Was when this released.
1: And actually, if I remember right, the game was kind of initially poorly received.
0: Yeah. It definitely had, it had quite a few delays. Um, and it was, yeah, it received generally positive reviews from critics with praise given for the narrative and its themes, while criticism was targeted at the online multiplayer. Okay, sure, and generic third-person gameplay. Um one of the the big things about it though, especially as it relates to the controversy of this one, though, and this is kind of where it goes a little bit different. So again, I, I we reference Wikipedia a lot on here, but I think compared to like many years ago, Wikipedia is actually probably way more reliable than it used to be. So here's what it says. The game was designed to be physically opposing, causing players to question their thoughts about treating war in a video game as entertainment and tasks players to make a variety of morally ambiguous decisions. So that's one of those interesting takes is that this is a game that is set in war, set in combat, but provides that narrative though that you are opposed to what's going on or at least gets you into that position because i believe the main character that you actually play as is suffering from some type of ptsd from other combat and he is
1: and if if i recall um some of the messages messages you're actually receiving from higher command to uh use like the white phosphorus um and and carry out some of the mission that that you're doing you don't actually receive it's all it's all in your head because you think you're receiving it because um, you know, you you think you're you're carrying out the greater good. So it, th- one of the 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 cool things about that game is it does question the moral dilemma of what we put people through that we send to war. Um, and you know, a- after we've put them through the the stress and the the not just the stress, but the psychological stress of you know being at war and having to make those decisions. But, you know, n- not just once, but having to make them repeatedly day after day. And, you know, what we question as that being entertainment, you know, it, it it took it to a
0: whole different level because there were like three different viewpoints you had to look at it from. Yeah, exactly. And where I want to focus, at least on this part here, is not, not even just the morality part in general and the, and the PTSD that our our soldiers and veterans have gone through from the war, and from or from the different wars, from the different combat scenarios that they've been in. Uh, but this kind of goes back to the Battle of Fallujah and um, whatever does occur, of course, in the upcoming Six Days at Fallujah game, mm-hmm. is that um, there has been reports and reviews from the Battle of Fallujah that white phosphorus was used against insurgents in combat. Mm-hmm. And white phosphorus um, is normally used as a... Um, normally used as like a flare type agent. Usually like it's shot up into the air and used to illuminate the sky when it's nighttime, okay? Um, You have to forgive me on this. I'm not prior military. I'm not current military. I'm just a guy who reads things. So I may get a couple things wrong here and I'll do my best. Um, But from the understanding of what occurred is that it's very possible that white phosphorus in the Battle of Fallujah was used against insurgents, which is against against, like international law as it comes into like chemical weaponry. Because it's because as it illuminates, obviously it's an incendiary device.
1: Right. And um,
0: it, it actually the, burns hotter than what the what regular fire would. Yeah. Uh,
1: actually out of what a flamethrower would by about tenfold.
0: Yeah, because a flamethrower, you're literally shooting like gas, you know, right. out of it that's lit and, and putting around there. And that's really what continues the burning is it's not just straight fire, it's you know, it is that chemical agent's on fire. But yeah, white phosphorus definitely burns it burns hotter, burns brighter. Uh, Because it's meant to burn for longer, being like a signal flare for, you know, being up in the sky for a period of time. Um, So with the idea that it was used, um, you know, or the investigations that it was used potentially in the Battle of Fallujah, that um, in Spec Ops The Line, your character is given the choice to deploy white phosphorus or not, but you don't really seem to get that choice. It seems like your hand is forced and you have to do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. and after you deploy it even though you are um using it though as as this potential defensive um as you move through the rest of the game or or move through that next part you're actually walking by burned bodies of civilian refugees who were actually trying to get away from the situation who were actually being guarded and protected at least at that point so they could be Evacuated out or moved to a safer location, right. and because of where you were at, in that you obviously weren't aware that there were civilians there. But well, as-
1: and actually, um, if I remember right, in Spec Ops, um, uh, when you look down at the people, you you think they are insurgents. Even the civilians appear to be insurgents, and part of it may be the PS- PTSD. Part of it may be that they're just really far away. And, you know, it, it brings up, you know, once again, more of that question of, you know, what do we put people through? What do we find as enjoyment? Why, why do we get to make those judgment calls? And why, why do we, you know, blame people that make those judgment calls?
0: Agreed. Yeah, it definitely provides that level of morality that some of these other games just don't have when it comes to these controversial scenarios. But even with that being the case and with what the aim of this game was to mm-hmm. be, you look at it though, is that by by putting people into this situation to have to play through those, unfortunately, they're not getting the whole picture of everything that goes into it. You know, right. you look at a video game, I mean, I don't know exactly like what the full playtime is of Spec Ops the Line. But look at how long though it probably takes you to play that game, and how many days you're actually going through. You know, potentially like in game time, right? Going through there. Now, that might be representative of a very small portion of what's actually going on. But you've got a lot of other things that that soldiers, private contractors, um, militiamen that are like you know uh, local militia and that in the uh, in these foreign countries are going through, um, who are. Um, You know, who have to go through all of the movements, who have to go through all the preparing, who have to go through all the setup, who have to go through all the work necessary um, to even get there and be ready to go. And then you also have to take into account, like, everything else that they've been through, getting up even to that point, Mm -hmm. whether they are those who have redeployed or have seen combat most of their lives or are those who are fresh-faced or those who are – I hate to say battle-hardened because, you know, you shouldn't be glorifying anything like that, but Mm – But um, those who have seen enough combat, though. Right. (laughs) And I say with that, um, that it's great to put you into that position of morality, but it doesn't paint the full picture of what someone like that has gone through in the past and the situation you're putting them into now. Because for us to make a decision like that while playing a video game, you know, I mean, you look at like Mass Effect, for example, and it's like, okay, who do you want to save? Do you want to save Caden or do you want to save Ashley? Okay, you know, it's like you have to you have to make that, um, you know, you have to make that choice. And that is a morality choice, at least for you as you go through character development and such anyway. But for that and for what you have to do in Spec Ops The Line, what you have to do in Modern Warfare 2, um, what you have to do in any of these other games whatsoever. You're not actually getting the full like actual experience or understanding of what's actually happening here. Mm -hmm. And that's where some of this problem comes into, and that's where I think we kind of have reached our final word with um, controversies. And I'll wrap up at least my part here before passing it off to you um, is that controversy for the sake of controversy seems to kind of have have become the norm for some titles, not necessarily everything um and it's not limited to just indie developers it is the AAA a developers too um and it's not even to blame on the graphical power or the the compute power of of PCs and consoles either because mm. you get games that are nothing like this at all that that don't have necessarily any controversy behind them um you know that still play beautifully look beautifully you know you don't have to you don't have to have a controversy to be able to sell games you know, right. you can do something with, like, with such skill and grace to make a game that you don't have to invoke controversy. I mean, hell, Forza Horizon 5. The only controversy in there that some people throw off is that, you know, it's like some cars are faster than others and make this jump all weird and the hackers in the game cause some problems. But that's, that's about as far as that goes. I mean, I wouldn't even call it controversy. It's just it's a disagreement, not necessarily the hacking part, but a disagreement on how, you know, maybe this car should actually be functioning compared to its real-world counterpart. But games lately have tried to fit that narrative of what is it like in the real world and how can I translate that into an interactive experience that still allows the ability to review your morality and to provide you that choice that mirrors what these people have. And it's nowhere near that. It's nowhere like that. And I don't think it's ever going to be like that. Um... I think making the choices there to be a good guy or a bad guy, sure, okay, that helps fill in the plot. Mm -hmm. But for a military game, especially with Six Nights at Fallujah coming up, looking back on some of the past Call of Duty games and, and things of that nature, that you're literally living through bits and pieces of things, whether they did happen in the real world or not, and you're not in the same position as these people were having to make the decisions that they did or having to suffer the consequences that they did. You shoot a civilian in in one of the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare games. You know, it it errors you out. It says you kill the civilian and it starts the level over. You don't get that in the real world. You shoot somebody, you shoot a civilian, you shoot anybody in general. That's something you have to live with for the rest of your life. And there are people who don't get over it. To portray it in video games still, you know, obviously that's going to continue on. And as a person who does play shooter games, that's something I'm going to have to you know, that I will still continue to interact with and deal with. Um, but I understand that when I'm playing a game like that, that there isn't, you know, that the, the controversy can be there with some of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I understand the difference between what's happening in the virtual space versus what's happening in real life. And I understand that my consequences in a game are not going to be my, you know, they, they don't reflect what my consequences are going to be in real life. Right. So that that's that's my take on the matter, but I want to hear yours though too before we wrap up.
1: I, I I don't know. I I feel like the uh the days of being sensational to be sensational um as far as like the violent video games and even even as far as like some of the the sexualization in video games are are coming to a close. Um graphics have come so far and you know that it it's almost pointless like y- you you can only show something so graphic be- before you become desensitized to it and then it, it it's not entertainment anymore you're just showing it to show it and then w- what are you doing at that point just because you can make good graphics you're doing it it Those days are over. I think um, we're going to have to see a lot better stories being written. And in that sense, I think that's where the morality of things is going to lie is they're they're going to have to write stories um, going forward, Um, even even in war games. Um, And, you know, like you said, we, we both play violent video games, violent shooters we we've both have played cyberpunk and and seen the the oversexualization but i i think at this point because of where we've come with technology it it's going to be the the stories that are going to have to be the the things that that progress uh gaming and make gaming really excel in the future and that that are going to cause you to really think about the the moral questions good storytelling is going to be what it where it's going to be at and not so much these um sensational images and and violent images or or graphic or even even almost pornographic at times i mean one we didn't even talk about was god of war and i think we didn't because it just happened at a right time where you know it was kind of cool to to be able to get away with it in video games and you know you look at it now and if it was if that sort of scenario were to happen in a game where you put that sort of sex scene it'd just be well that's immature you know it it would fall closer to on the end of the spectrum where where hatred lie, lied you know or fell as you know your bad mixed reviews on steam and you know you're you're not going to get good reviews out of a game like that it's not going to be talked about in the future the only reason we're talking about a game like hatred is because it crossed the line too far and it fell
0: off well put
1: well as put. i lose my
0: voice <laughs> yeah i can hear that too i was almost like i was almost like you need to take a drink or something yeah. i think you finish your energy drink anyway so um I think that was all well said. I really do. And I think that's where we do wrap this up, though. I um, think so. Yeah, this this was definitely a very interesting one to talk about because we've made mention in our intro all the time, of course. We're here to discuss not only the the video game industry events and history, but also, of course, the controversies. There's there's good in the video game world, There's there's neutral in the video game world, and there's bad in the video game world. And we here at the NPCs are here to discuss and review it, at least from what we've been exposed to and what we understand here in the gaming world. So that is what this is for our episode talking about controversies' Place in Gaming. With that said, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode of the NPCs Discuss. Don't forget to check out this podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We are available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you want links to all of the different podcast platforms we are on, go check us out over on our homepage, anchor.fm slash the-NPCs-Podcast. All the links are there for episodes, past, present, and of course, future. Check us out on social media on Twitter and Facebook at The NPCs Podcast. And of course, go subscribe to our YouTube channel at The NPCs. Links again are on our social media and of course, on our anchor.fm page. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this rather long episode of the NPCs Discuss. We shall catch you all in the next one. Laters.